So tonight, we, um, we our message is kind of twofold. One, um, we just kind of wanted to share what we've been going about in youth and um, what we've been endeavoring to do. And it's so amazing how the Holy Spirit has really laid out our time together um, in youth. But I think it's purposeful for all of us to know what's happening there because then we can know how to pray. Um, we can know how we can be a part. And also know that, I mean, this is our next generation. This is our next generation of leaders and next generation of believers. Um, and so we need to know um, what they're learning and what they're growing so that we can be a part. And it can be really encouraging to know that, you know, your kids, what, how much they're actually learning. Because they might not, might, might not be open to talking about it all the time, but they're, but they're, they're learning a lot. So like, uh, like McKenna, she graduated out. She's, she's at college now. But she had an entire notebook that was dedicated to all of the lessons that we were going through in youth. And it was like, there were like drawings that went along with it. There was an entire notebook that Sandra found like a year or two into it. And she was like, I didn't know you were doing all of this. She's like, I didn't know you were learning all these things and, and researching all these things. So it was really good. It's not like a pat on our back, but it's like so awesome that, you know, you, should, you guys should be encouraged um, that your kids are learning so much. Um, but yeah. We yeah. just want to expound upon that. Yeah, so um, we always do a summer series. It's anonymous Q&As. It's our third year of doing Q&As. And really, we send out a survey at the beginning of the summer and just encourage them to ask any questions, questions related to the Bible, questions related to relationships, friends, family, um, school. And we get some silly questions, but we've also gotten some real hard hitters. And so it's been encouraging to know questions are such a good way to know where we're at in our faith. Jesus never um, got mad at the disciples whenever they had questions. It was an opportunity for them to grow closer together and for Jesus really to know. I don't know if you guys remember, but there's a time when he's like, I don't have much time left. How much time do I need to spend with you before I'm ready to go? His time wasn't going to be fulfilled until they were ready to take the baton and continue on in that legacy. And so what we've endeavored to do with anonymous Q&As is um, this year that was different from previous years is we've actually had them go to the word and endeavor to try and find the answer themselves. In years past, we've had devotionals and um, we've always met together on Wednesday nights and shared our answer, but we need to teach them where to go with their questions, teach them um, the process in which to answer their questions. And uh, regardless of the size of our youth group, um, you know, years ago we heard this statistic that I believe it's like 85% of kids who grew up in church, once they go away to college, never go to church again. And that like broke my heart. I, I want to wage war on that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and, and the way that happens is, is kids have to learn how to go to the word for all the answer, the questions that they have in life. I don't, I don't want people, kids to have questions and they're too afraid to go to the Bible or too afraid to go to a pastor and ask about those questions. I want them to feel open to ask those questions, especially, you know, the word, sa the word says that, you know, if anybody lacks wisdom, um, ask for it, and he'll, he'll, he's very willing to give it. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we should go, be willing to go to the church. We should be willing to go to the, our pastors. We should be willing to go into the word anytime we have those big life questions. And we'd rather them get it out of the way when they're 13 than when they're at college and they're yeah. 19 and they're, and they're around the wrong influences. Because um, let's just be honest, it's not, it's not the best place um, to, to learn about God right now. Um, so that's, that's just something, that's a goal of ours. 
And it's also, it's been encouraging to us because there have been questions, and this is not a knock on us. All of us should be willing to say that there have been questions that we've been asked where we haven't known the answers to them. And it's encouraging to us because they're asking those higher level questions. And it's also, it should be encouraging to them because we never arrive. And that's really what we're endeavoring to do this fall is we're going back to the Bible stories. And every single time we go to the word, we should be able to get something new out of it. We should have questions that, you know, grow our relationship with God. And then we also need to apply it every single time we go to the Bible. And so there have been questions where we've been like, you know, give me a minute. I want to study on that. I want to find what the word has to say, and then we can talk about it together. But you do your part, I'll do mine, and then we'll meet back up. I'd rather give an informed answer than a, than a prideful answer. Like, uh, you know, just try to pull something from the back pocket. Like, I, I should already know the answer to it. I've been to Bible college. I've, you know, I've been a pastor's kid my whole life. I better, you know, I, I better have the answer already. No, I'm, uh, we're willing to, to, to admit that we're not going to know everything. And we're going we're gonna to go and find the answers for these kids. We're going to try to find our best answers for these kids. And we want want to encourage them on how to actually read the Bible, look for the answers. It's easier now than ever. I mean, you can go to Uversion on a, on a stinking app and literally put in, like, what, what am I going through right now? Type in that, that sentence, what am I going through right now? And it's going to tell you. The verses will be there, you know, back back, you know, not even that long ago, 15 years ago, we actually had to scroll through the Bible, hope we found the answer, <laughs> had to lean on the Holy Spirit to lead us to the right Close spot that, the, you know, that would answer the questions that we're having right now. Um, now you can just look it up, um, which is, it's just wild. So uh, it's easier now than ever for that. But anyway. So one question, we, we thought we would just share one question that we had seen um, as just kind of, I mean, some of the questions, la- you know, last couple years were like, you know, why did God made why did God make Satan if he knew that he was gonna fall eventually? And then we had to talk about the sovereignty of God and how there's free will and all these things. And um, this year we've had some, it, it's so cool because um, if you notice, people know that we're in the last days. People know that we're drawing to a close. And so we had a lot of questions about the rapture, about the second coming of Jesus um, and what our part is and what their part is. And um, things that we can do. But one question we had was when when the rapture happens, the people who get saved after Jesus takes us up, if you believe that we're pre-trib, what happens to the people who get saved? Are they going to have to endure through that time or are they going to get zapped up to heaven? And so we asked them to um, go to the word and that's, you know, there's a lot that you can unpack there and so it was really encouraging. We had a really good discussion about tribulation saints and, um, and how it's important for us to know, and Hunter gave a really good example with the roofing, but like it's important for us to know our part even if we're not going to be there, amen? And so like, you know, we don't need to worry. We don't need to fret about what happens during those seven years, but we do need to be informed because our part is to know. And so do you wanna, you wanna share that? Do you wanna expound upon that? Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> So I, I, uh, I, I, I'm a roofing contractor, um, and so I just use the example of, you know, my, my job is technically I'm a salesman. Let's just be honest. 
Um, I've been on the roofs when the construction was going on. I've watched the, the guys do the work. I've carried shingles up, up onto the, the roof myself before, but now the position I'm in is I, like, never see the builds anymore. It's kind of weird for me because I used to load up my truck. I was kind of out there. I like being a little bit more hands-on. But now my position is that I need to tell as many, I need to instruct people on what is getting ready to happen. I know what's going to happen. I know that the job is going to get done. I know that roofers are going to come out. There's going to be some shingles delivered to their house. And, but for my purposes, I just need to instruct the people and tell the people what's going to happen. Sorry. But I'm not, I'm not going to be at, at the job. I'm not going to be at the roof anymore when that's going on. So I just need to let people know what's going to happen. I don't necessarily need to be there. <laughs> And I don't need to worry about what happens when I'm there because there's, there's going to be somebody, the Bible talks about it, there's going to be people that are there that are, that are after, after tribulation anyway. So really what we're endeavoring to do with youth is something that doesn't stop with youth, and that's really what we wanted to continue on tonight because you guys can know what we're doing in youth, but you guys probably most likely are not going to sit in on a service. Um, but knowing how to study the word, how to go to the word with our questions is a lifelong pursuit that we never um, should get tired of. And it's something that, you know, when people have told me before that they don't like reading the word or they don't know where to start or they don't know how to understand things about the word, that's okay. We just have to go to the right place and we have to know how to do it. And so... Um, and you're kind of getting the, the angel on one shoulder, devil on the other. I'm not calling myself a devil, but <laughs> I am saying that my wife is somebody who has always liked reading the Bible and has always liked reading in general. She reads like three books a week. <laughs> Nerd. And I'm like, I, I can't, I can't, I don't get it. Like, even if I love a book, I'm not going to want to read. I'm, I'm kind of like a slow burn kind of guy with a book. And uh, and she's always loved that. So I'm, I'm, I'm somebody who has kind of had to force feed, you know, a little bit more. But as I've done it, especially with the Bible, and, you know, I, I've heard people say the thing, say like, well, you know, if, if my life was just about, like, if I didn't have any other responsibilities, if I didn't have anything else going on, man, I'd be all, I'd be all up in it. I'd be reading the Bible every single day. I'd be, you know, we were at Bible college, and let me tell you what, I am so much, I enjoy reading the Bible so much more now than when I was at Bible college. My life was revolved around reading the Bible. And, it, and it's, not, it's not that I just was a fleshly person back then. It's just that I've grown. And we grow in this. And that's, you know, kind of going off of that. This is a, a quote by Charles Spurgeon. It says, visit many good books, but live in the Bible. All human books grow stale after time, but with the word of God, the desire to study it increases. But with the word of God, the uh, or sorry, I wrote that over again. Um, because the more you know of it, the less you think you know. And, you know, that, that, that's kind of funny about the, every other book in the world. Um, the more you know about something, the more you start to learn about science, the more you start to learn about mathematics, the more you start to learn about a subject, the more pride you start to place in it. But with the word, if you're doing it right, you should realize how, how much less you actually know the more you read it. And that is so awesome. Charles Spurgeon, it's kind of contradictory from what he just said, because he said there's so many, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of good books, but live in the Bible. You know, Charles Spurgeon has so many good quotes like that around reading the Bible. But anyway, so. Uh, we might have some 
Y'all might actually have to flip in your Bibles crazy. We're going to go to the Word of God when we're talking about the Word of God, but we might not have it up on the screen, so we encourage you to um, do it in your in your physical Bible too. But um, Acts twenty thirty two is a is a really good example of this, and um, let me pull it up. Do you have it up there? Absolutely. So now, brethren, I command you, uh, or I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Okay, so our first point for tonight is that the Bible is essential for discipleship. And, you know, I, every time we go to the word, I, I saw it like, Sometimes we look at the Bible as if it's a museum. We see all of these characters. We see the, you know, these Bible stories. I even have an, um, it's like a graphic novel, like like an action figure Bible, and that's super cool. But really, when we're going to the Word instead, we need to look at it as a mine. We're we're digging for these things. They're so valuable. Sometimes we just have to. Um, look at it as if we are going to get something out. I've been so many times to the Bible and I have been like, I really don't, didn't get, didn't feel anything, didn't feel a jump for joy, didn't feel like I needed to cry before the Lord or anything. But the more that we go to the word and the more that we um, establish ourselves in it and we're um, making ourselves disciples of it, that's when we get more and more out of it. When Jesus said, go and make disciples, he didn't say go and make converts. It's something that uh, the American church has kind of, uh, I don't want to say failed at, but we haven't done great at it. Um, because we're, we like to throw around the word Christian, but the word Christian in the New Testament was only used three times. The word disciple was used 274 times. We were meant to be disciples. We were meant to serve. We weren't meant to give ourselves a label and run with that for the rest of our life so that if we ever have to fill out a government form, we can put, I'm a Christian, and, and put the check mark next to it. That's not what this is. That's the reason that when we look at those statistics where it says, you know, 50% of America is still Christian. No. We were meant to be disciples. We were meant to serve. And, and the Bible is very explicit that service is so, um, so intertwined with studying, so intertwined with, with knowing the word of God. Um, so, uh, again, disciples said 274 times. Christians is Christian is said three times in the New Testament. Yeah, uh, let's go to John eight thirty one through 32. So it says, Then Jesus said to those, uh, to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, we, a lot of people say, um, and the, uh, the truth will make you free, but they don't say knowing the truth will make you free. We need to know the truth so we can be set free. We can't, it's not the truth itself that sets you free. It's knowing the truth. And this word knowing, um, if you've, again, I, I just like to, I like to read. I like to read into words and I like to find out what they mean. But in this word know is not know is in like head knowledge, but it's actually the same word that was used um, in Genesis when um, Adam knew Eve. It's an intimate, it's a deep knowledge, it's, a, it's an experience. So when we're going to the Bible, um, we're not just going so that we can get head knowledge and, you know, we can know all the Greek things like I know about, you know, know what know means, but as we go into the word and as we're experiencing it, that's when we are set free. That's when the truth is actually um, a freeing power. And I like what um, 
Craig Hagen said, he said, the word of God itself is not going to do anything. We can set it on a shelf, it can collect dust, and it's not ever going to get up, go out, and start healing people, right? He says, the words on the pages itself are not amplified. It's when we have it in our minds, in our hearts, and in our words that power is applied. You can't move mountains if you can't even move your mouth. You can't speak the word of God if you don't know the word of God. And so, you know, we like to use Romans 10, 17, that, you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But if we don't actually know the word of God, then our faith is placed in something else. And so that that's where the truth is going to set us free. That's when we can know it so yeah i mean uh there there are lots of um people in this world who who don't believe in god at all bill gates knows knows the bible like backwards and front that guy doesn't believe in god at all um you know the the issue is sometimes we can look at the bible as just another book and we see it as two-dimensional pages on, on on you know written on in a book but the bible says that it's the living word the bible is alive and in, that's when the spirit kind of helps you out with this. It starts to see, it starts to show you things, uh, the deeper things, the the mysteries of of, of Christ, and um, that's when we have to start seeing it as not just two dimensional pages, or words on a page, but it's three dimensional. It's living. It's it's around us. It surrounds us. Um, so. And so, Second Timothy two fifteen is really a is a good example of it. It says, "Be diligent to present yourself approved to God." a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so I, I like what you had put there about studying. Um, studying means to rightly divide. And so study means to rightly divide. Um, this, is, this is where, you know, people say we just need to use discernment, but sometimes we need to learn discernment. Um, we need to actually dive into the Bible, and, and, and the Bible will help you with discernment a lot more than um, just your instincts. I think people rely on instincts a lot more than they should. Um, I kind of joke about it, you know, that the, the average, you know, the, the stereotype is that a man on a road trip doesn't want to go off the map. He knows the way already himself. But the map knows for sure, you know. <laughs> um, I, I, don't, I don't need a manual on how to fix my car, all right, you know. But the manual knows why that. not? <laughs> you know, you're, you're going to save yourself a whole lot of uh, headaches. You're going to save yourself a whole lot of... Just go to the manual, man. Um, just go straight to the answer, and that's the fastest way you'll get there. Um, that's so. The it says study and rightly divide. So we we have to be able to to divide the word of truth, and study means to do something with intense effort and motivation, with intense effort and motivation. So we have to ask ourselves, what is our motivation? And 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 that will drive us. That will drive us to do things with effort. Uh, study, studying isn't just, you know, I think studying can kind of sound like a casual thing. This isn't casual. This is life-changing. This is when we see revival. This is when we, it's when we go after the word of God. Um, Rick Renner, man, he's, he's, he's a word guy. I don't, he's got a book called Sparkling Gems. He basically breaks down the entire Bible. He, he does this. He is motivated and he is giving Rick a lot Renner. of effort. Rick Renner, two Sparkling volumes. Gems. He's got two of those. Those are, I mean, that that guy is awesome. Um, but he is, he's probably one of the most brilliant people I've ever met in my life. And yet, he doesn't have a lot of pride because the more he knows, the less he real, he thinks he knows. Um, so. Well, and, and when we were, because we had kind of 
um, we were seeking direction on what we needed to speak about tonight. And as simple as it sounds, I mean, we're going to talk about the Word of God. Everybody reads the Bible, but we can't assume that everybody is going to the Bible. And even if we are all, every single person in this room is reading their Bible intensely every single day, there's always, um, there's always more that we can grasp, more that we can attain. Um, it says that we reach you know, toward the prize, the finish line. And so it's never that we arrive in this. And that's what something that um, we can even have pride in ourselves is that I read my Bible every single day. I give an hour attention to it. I'm, you know, I know all these Greek words, but um, we just should never assume that everybody is reading their Bible every single day or that every single one of us are studying to show themselves approved. Um, that's also in Second Timothy. But um, you get to learn that a lot with youth, too. Yeah. Um, uh, I think it, it, it's actually a quote by Albert Einstein, or it might have been somebody else, um, but I believe it was Albert Einstein who said, it takes a genius, and I'm paraphrasing, it takes a genius to make a complicated thing simple. It, uh, it takes an idiot to make a simple thing complicated. Um, and we are geniuses at this point. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But, you know, we, we've, gotten, we've gotten to, you know, you get to, you get to try to make the complicated things simplified, and it's important because Jesus was excellent at that. That's why he's, he spoke in parables. That's why he told stories. It just helps people understand. But, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, the more that we go to the word, um, I, I like what Charles Spurgeon said. He, I'm going to paraphrase, but basically a messed up Bible makes a non-messed up person. And so as we go to the word, we're not only going to make ourselves disciples, but we're actually going to be nourished. And um, if we could go to Matthew 4, 4, I've actually got a really good example, a really good allegory of this. He said, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And I heard, I heard this story the other day. And, you know, how many of you guys know that, you know, we are not made to live off of Doritos. Cool Ranch Doritos are awesome. This is kind of going to be like a youth example. But we could, for a short period of time, live off of Cool Ranch Doritos. But, and we might not be hungry for the meat. We might not be hungry for, for broccoli and for um, water. Like if you drink a whole bunch of Diet Dr. Pepper cream soda, you're probably not going to want a lot of water. Guess what? I never do want water. So it, you can be filling yourselves up with these other things and not really ever have a desire for the word of God. You can be filling your time with Netflix. You can be filling your time um, even with really good things and you might not have that desire but when you only go to the meat, to the vegetables, to the fruit, and to water, you find yourselves being nourished. And there was actually this man, he was like 640 pounds or something, and he died of malnutrition because he wasn't getting the nutrients that he needed. He was getting the calories. He was physically putting things into his body, but he wasn't going to maintain. And so for a short period of time, of course, we can, we can get by without the word, but are we being nourished? Are we um, growing in these things? That's really, our, our desire should not just be to survive, but to actually grow in these things. And Paul, Paul said, he said, I, I, place, I place the word of God above food, right? And that's kind of a simple thing, but like Rick Renner, uh, an, another example with him, he, he literally will not eat food at all in the morning until he's read the Bible. And I mean, it's such a simple thing, but when you make those simple sacrifices, you start to value it in a different way. You start to see it the way that God has written it out. I mean, it's right there. You know, man shall not live by bread alone. And Paul said, you know, I place, I place 
his word above food. Um, so it's, it's those simple things, and it, I'm not even talking about necessarily fasting. I'm just saying, you know, put it, what's, what's your priority in the day? You know, we're supposed to give our fruit, first fruits. Um, what, are, what is our first fruit, the first thing that we do in the morning? You know, what is, is it, is it we do, do we go to the word or do we immediately grab, you know, a, a donut? Um, what, what is our priority? And what is our subconscious priority? Uh, and John, John Bevere actually talks about it. He said, um, he's like, we're feeding ourselves on Sunday. He said, what, what, if I, what if I had you eat one big meal on Sunday and you didn't eat anything the rest of the week and you came back and ate a big meal on Sunday? Would you have the strength to fight anybody off? Would you have the strength to, to, to maintain a, a good mental health? Would you have the strength? And that's what we do to our spirit, yeah. spirit man is we starve it for the entire week. And then we say, okay, here's your big meal. Here's your, well, how are we supposed to fight off the, the, the things of this world? With, with that kind of spirit. How are we supposed to fight off these things when we haven't built up our strength and our spirit? So I don't know if I've shared this story. I probably have. But um, in youth group, I remember I was in seventh grade, and it stuck with me so much. And I actually just used it on Sunday in kids' class because um, I showed up to youth. I had been to youth group Wednesday before, and I showed up to, to Wednesday night service. And my youth pastor goes, oh, Lindsay, how are you even standing? And I was like, what? And he said, are you starving right now? You have got to be famished. I mean, seriously, you look starving right now. And I was like, Pastor Mike, I just ate mozzarella sticks in the, in the youth building. You know, like, I'm fine. I'm good. And, and he said, no, you left your Bible here. How, how are you even standing right now? You have got to be starving for the word of God. And in the moment, I was like, dare you <laughs> you know I was like I was mad because I was like you don't know my life but it honestly it stuck with me so much because how often actually just on Sunday a kid was like uh I forgot my bible here does that count do I get another piece of candy and I was like oh buddy you must be feeling so weak you don't have your bible to go to every single day and so that's honestly we're, we're looking deeply for deeply confused deeply confused <laughs> <laughs> but honestly he's like oh I don't know about that I just want candy <laughs> yeah but often we, we go to church on a Sunday morning looking for a piece of cake, but we're not getting our daily bread. And honestly, every single day, just like just like the Israelites, they, they didn't just um, store up the things and try to make it as long as they could. They, they knew that they could rely on God every single day for something new. And that, that's really where we need to get to that place. And so, yeah. Well, that brings us to our third point, I think. Uh, the Bible is God's wisdom for success. So, uh, the world's success is uh, world's success is used all the time in the world, but don't uh, the word success, excuse me, is used all the time in the word. Don't be turned off by that word. So sometimes when we say success, we're like, well, that's that's a fleshly thing. I'm not seeking after success. But what does uh, Joshua one eight say? This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate it, uh, meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So we will be prosperous, and we will have success, right? So when we delve into the word, that's when we, when we partake of God's wisdom. 
Right. Well, and a lot of times we go to the word too, and you know, we've heard Pastor Steve say a lot of times, you know, we don't want to just wait until we get to a storm to to be storing up on the things that are going to make us through, and that's that's really something that you know I think unintentionally we've endeavored to do with the youth group is you know they don't just need Bible knowledge. Yes, we play Bible Jeopardy because it's a semi fun way of getting um, you know the word into them while playing a game. And they're competitive. And they're and competitive. Half of them are siblings. So yes, it's, like it's, it's really works. fun. But we don't always just need Bible knowledge. We have a lot of like. Um, Believers in general are not just needing more Bible knowledge. They need to be challenged to put that knowledge to the test. And that's where we'll see success is when um, the word meets real life situations. And um, often the goal of our study is just to great is to gain a greater understanding of scripture so that when we go to the word, we're not meeting it with our perceptions, but we're letting it change our perceptions of success. And we're letting it change our perceptions of the financial breakthrough that we're, you know, praying towards. And we're, we're meeting our perceptions with healing and what God actually has to say about it. And so a lot of times when, when we're looking for success, you know, Matthew 6, 33 says that when we seek the kingdom first, everything else is added to it. So it's not that we're going to the word for success, but we're going to the word knowing that he meets us in our time of need, no matter what that is. Does that make sense? Um, and a good example of this is John 1, 1 through 2. And I, David, I have it down in the bottom, but um, God is never going to be apart from his word. And so a lot of times whenever we're looking for success in an area or we're looking for God's will in an area, we're not going to see him speak something that is opposed to his word. And that's um, a lot of times we can say that the spirit told me to do this or the spirit, you know, we... Hunter always jokes that we're going to make a t-shirt that says blame it on the spirit because <laughs> there's a very, very, very worldly song in like 2008 called blame it on the alcohol. And so <laughs> I thought it would be funny because people will be like blame things on the Holy Spirit all the time. Anyway, so it's a double entendre. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but the spirit won't move apart from the word and the word won't move apart from the spirit. Yeah. And so a lot of times whenever we're praying to the Holy Spirit, give me direction, do this and Pastor Steve was just saying the other day, you know, people will say, oh, the spirit told me to do so. And it's like a total wall. Like, you can't talk to me about this. Um, I'm completely correct in it. But if we go to the word and it's opposed from that, then then it's not necessarily the spirit. And that's where um, we have to go to the word in order to know what is truth and what is not. Does that make sense? Um, I don't have the exact reference for this, but... Um I know it says this. Um, it, the, the word says that the Holy Spirit, when it gives you instruction, it does not give you instruction under its own authority. It says it gives it under the authority of God. So that is pretty blatant. And the Holy Spirit's never going to contradict God because it's not speaking under its own authority. It's speaking under the authority of God, right? Mm -hmm. That's so important. So in John, John 1, 1 through 2, if you want the references, in the beginning was the word and the word was God. And the word, and he, sorry, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And so God will always confirm himself with his word, and the word will always confirm himself with God. Um, and so a lot of times whenever we are looking for these things, we just have to go to God knowing that he already told us the answer. And there have been lots of times whenever um, we've had youth kids ask us a question, and it's not 
like word for word their situation in the Bible, but we can see other situations that might give us a clue into it. We might have some different things that are piggybacking off of what, whatever situation that they're going through. So um, sometimes it can be um, hard if you're not already jumping into the word to know where to start. And then there have been plenty of times, um, even recently, where we might not understand something that the word is telling us, but we have to go to a second source to kind of understand the context of the situation or the cultural references that they're talking about. And so um, I, I do want to encourage you, one of the best apps that, you know, that we've used to... Enduring Word. Yeah, is yeah. the Enduring Word commentary, and um, it's by David Guzik, um, G-U-Z-I-K. But um, he took commentaries from different sources and... There, there was a time when Hunter was studying and he was reading in the bed. I need over explanation. I, I, I used to be, I used to work and build decks and pergolas and stuff, and it was so funny because my my boss would make fun of me so much because I would be like, right, the nail's going right here, right? You want me to hammer it this way, and I need like I needed to know exact instructions because I did not want to screw up, right? So like like that's even more so with the things of the spirit. When, when we're preparing for a message, when we're doing things like that, it's a little bit more than hammering a nail into the wrong place. I, I'm not, I'm not going to misconstrue the word of God. That's my goal. That's not what I want to do. So enduring word is really good for that because it tells me exact, it helps me with knowing exactly where the nail is. And he's not perfect. The guy who wrote, you know, does the commentary, he's not perfect. He doesn't necessarily, but it helps a lot. It helps a lot. So. Well, and even when, I mean, tonight and any time that we speak in front of people, we encourage them not to take what we're saying just as Bible truth, but instead to go to the word for themselves and make sure that it's confirmed. And so, you know, there there will be times, you know, we've messed up before and that's okay because we're human, but... We don't throw around, thus saith the Lord. Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> so, you know, especially when we're, you know, we have to answer for the things that we say and for the things that we do. And so um, knowing that, um, people can mess up, but we make up and we never give up, right? And that's where the Enduring Word commentary has really helped. And I wanted, I wanted to give some practical application because um, there have been so many times when um, somebody might not understand where to start or what something means. And there's um, a lot of, like, references like the Verily, Verily. Well, in the, in, in the faith field and the word of faith and the, you know, and... and you know, we believe in the, the entire Bible. We believe in full gospel. Um, it can sometimes get thrown around like, you know, just just as long as you're, you're, you're saying the right things, as long as you're confessing, as long as you're speaking out the right things. But, like, I, I need to know. I need to, like, I need, I need the information. And, 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 you know, we just say, well, just, you know, just faith it. You know, I'm not saying that's an actual phrase, but that's kind of what gets thrown at. You know, like, well, what's the answer? Well, you just, just got to lean on God. You just got to have faith for it. Well, faith comes from the word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? So we need to hear the word of God. We need to know the word of God like Lindsay was saying and that kind of knowing, not just an information knowing, um, but but knowing God and knowing. You know, the Bible says that in the last days, or it, the Bible says when Jesus was talking to the woman at the well, he said, I'm looking for people who are going to worship in spirit and in truth. He doesn't say in, in spirit truth. He doesn't combine them. He doesn't, it's in spirit and in truth. So you can be built up in the spirit all you want to, but if you don't know the truth, you're not that kind of worshiper that Jesus wants, yeah. right? 
And if you don't, if you try to eliminate the spirit without without the word, you're also not that kind. <laughs> you got to have both, right? They're so both so important, and they are so dynamic when they work together, right? Um, we we talk about refinement. Um, Pastor Kim expounded upon it a little bit, but my aunt has this piano that it's like a perfect, it's like a super nice piano, and they had a piano tuner come in, and he said this this piano just has the sweetest sound I've ever heard. And, and he was like, oh, yeah, well, why, you know, my uncle was like, well, why is that? And he said, because the wood that they take from here, it comes from the north side of the mountain. When they, when they cut down the wood, it comes from the north side of the mountain. He's like, well, why, why would they cut it from the north side of the mountain? He said, that's, that's where it's most frigid. That's where it's most cold. That's where it's most windy. And that's when the, the wood gets so fine inside. So, so the, the, the oak actually gets so fine that when you put it into the piano, it creates the most beautiful sound possible. And those are, we're looking for this kind of refinement in ourselves, and that's when we have to seek out the word. That's when the word and the spirit, the truth and the spirit come together and create a beautiful sound, is when we, when we look to God during the hard times, when we look to God and look for the answers in spirit and in truth. And on it, um, the purpose of our message tonight is, you know, we, we want you to fall in love with the word one, but um, Pastor Steve and, you know, New Life Church has endeavored to do a daily Bible reading plan. And it's something that, um, you know, whether you're reading the word already or whether you needed a spot to jump in or whether you needed, um, there's such a corporate purpose when all of us are studying the same thing. And there's, you know, we've been praying towards our bi daily Bible reading plan and we've been um, seeking out the scriptures together and people have been commenting and and just like today I mean there you know we read first Corinthians 10 and there was something that we could apply there was something that we could pray towards there was something that we had questions about there was something new that we could gain um, and so there are so many things that we can apply to our life um, but because there are some because it was a long time ago because there was different cultures different languages different things um, you know, we've given our youths study Bibles, and I highly, highly, highly encourage a study Bible. Um, and I've heard reports back from, from some youth kids. They're like, I didn't understand this. And then I went down at the bottom of the page, and they perfectly explained that tradition that, you know, the Jews would have during that time, or that festival was during that time. And, like, in the Bible, it says, verily, verily, I tell you. Well, they didn't have a word for very. So they would say, truly, truly, or excited, excited, right? There are things that we might not understand why they're put in the place, and that's where study really takes shape is when, you know, we understand that it's not just because they decided to put it in there two times or something just like didn't that. didn't have the word for emphasis. Yeah. So they, they would double up on it. Um, it's kind of simple stuff. I love, but, love you. But, but there's some stuff that, that – it helps to understand. It helps to understand who, when people are certain people. Like it helps to know if Jesus is talking to a Jew or a Gentile, mm -hmm. because he's going to talk to them differently, because he's wise and he and he knows that if I if I were to talk to somebody in here, if if somebody Jewish walked in the door, I'm not going to talk to them the same way that I would talk to somebody who has been a Christian their whole life. It's just different. Um, but yeah, there's there's things like that that it's important to understand context. Mm -hmm. Um, and we talked about it with the kids all the time. Context is so important. But, um, yeah. I don't know that the video will work for tonight, but um, just to put it into perspective, 
there, you know, we can become so acquainted with our Bible. We can collect Bibles. We can put them on a shelf. We can get them in all the different translations, have 14 readily available on our phone at all times, and just take it at, for granted. And so there's this beautiful video. If you want the link for it, I would love to send it to you. But it's this Indonesian tribe getting Bibles for their very first time. And they're talking about how, you know, they had applied the word that they had been told through words and through stories and through these different at, through these different avenues. But they were weeping. They're jumping. They're shouting. It's a, it's a cry. It's amazing. They're, they're chanting. They're lifting them up and parading them through their, through their trails because the word was the most foundational thing that they could have in their hands. They didn't have clean clothes. They don't have shoes on their feet. But they had a Bible. And that was the most important thing. And they saw it's because they see it as literally, quite literally, the words of God. They don't see it as, as a physical thing. They don't see it as, they're not glorifying and, and kissing a physical idol. They're, they're seeing it as the words of God. And they say, this is, this is the answer to everything that we've, we've been asking for. They said, this is, this is the answer to, to all of life's questions. It's, it's here, and we have it now. Um, yeah, I, I had a couple more points, but if you're... Um, so just kind of in... in uh, in summary here and, and really just closing, um, you know, a lot of people are seeking out, like, when, when's this last revival? When, when, when will we see a, a revival? But it's important to know what revival is. Um, and revival is an improvement in the condition or strength of something. Um, we renew our strength. We, we look to strength by in the Word of God. If you want revival, it's in the Word of God. We've been seeing a lot of awesome, you know, moves of the Spirit and, and things like that on Sunday mornings. It's, it's so great. But it's, it's a result of people diving into the Word of God. It's a result of people and our pastors taking time to delve into the Word of God. This isn't a religious thing. This is getting to know our Creator. And it's so awesome. So if you want revival, dive into the Word of God. Christians are constantly seeking revival in everything but the Word sometimes. sometimes we're looking for it on a, on a Sunday morning. We're like, well, when's it going to happen, Lord? When's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? But are you reading the Word of God? You could have revival at home. You could have revival at home if you just have, if you just read the Bible, if you dive into these things. Um, but the the most important thing for me personally is just, you know, you're going to go through times that the Bible is very explicit about. If you if you call on God, He's going to give you answers. He's constantly knocking at the door, waiting for you to answer, right? But there's going to be times where. Um, I, I've had times in my life where I could I could just enter into the spirit at any given moment. I could be in the car and honestly, and I I would just I'd start worshiping and I'm like I feel God's presence. And then there's gonna feel there's gonna be dry times, and you don't want to associate yourself or identify yourself with your situation at all. But there's gonna be desert times, and those times are so important because that's the when the refinement happens, right? And and there are so many cool people in the Bible like Moses. David, Abraham, and Jesus, who all went through a desert time where they didn't necessarily have this, the, the words of God didn't seem so accessible, so they had to seek them out, right? They couldn't just call on God in a moment and, and all these things are just fed to them. They had to seek them out. And that's when, that's when the, the awesome things happen. That's when God will reveal the greatest things to you, the refinement the north side of the mountain moments. Uh, don't ask God to move you to the other side of the mountain. Just prepare your foundation. Lean into the, 
the word of God because I want to be that person who makes the sweet sound. Not just, not just with my voice, but like my spirit when I meet people. I want them to think that I'm somebody who's been from the north side of the mountain. Um, this, these times, it, it's, it's so awesome. That's why we need the word and the spirit, right? We can't just lean on the spirit in these times because there's going to be times where it, um, it, it's not going to just seem so accessible, right? It's not just going to, we're not going to just be able to pray to God and just instantly have a spiritual moment, right? You need the foundation, right? You need the bread. Um, so what better way to seek God than to incline your ear to his teachings? Um, oftentimes, I've heard people say that they just can't hear the, wor- the words of God, and it's because they're looking for it in a big spiritual moment and a, and a praying in the closet moment. But if your Bible is shut, you might as well, in God's eyes, be doing And that is so important because that's when we find out our spiritual maturity is if when these things happen, if, if, it's, if God seems far away from you, are you going to seek him out, right? Um, and I know that doesn't sound very lovey-dovey and, you know, God loves us. He's always with us. I, yes, he is, but it's not always going to feel like it. It's not always going to feel like it. So you're going to have to remind yourself of the truth. Um, and so... God wants to reveal the secrets and mysteries of Christ, but we must first know the evident and the obvious. Um, this is Psalm 51.10. Do you guys have it? If not, I can just read it out. If one turns away his ear from hearing God's law, even his prayer is an abomination. If you find yourself treasuring sin and avoiding God's word, repent. And then ask him to create in you a clean heart and a right spirit. Our prayer is an, ab- an abomination. Man, that, that hits hard, right? That hits hard. People think that just because you're praying to God, it's, a, it's effective. People pr- the Bible is pretty explicit that there's effective and ineffective prayer. Mm-hmm. And unless we're worshiping in spirit and, tr- and in truth and we're, and we're praying from a place of knowing the word, our prayer is, is seen as abomination. That's a heavy word, guys. That's a word that the Jews probably had to have doubled up because they didn't have <laughs> something emphasized back then. But I don't want my prayers to be an abomination. I want my prayers to be uh, ad- admonished. I want my prayers to be good things. Um, and I want, I want you know, my my heart to be seen by God as, as something that's pure. Um, ask God to clean your heart and 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 it's and have the right spirit about it. So, just and on that note, let's pray. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, but I mean, often too many of us are looking for a word from the Lord, and we go to people, and we go to um, you know, um, Instagram, or we go to all these different things for a word from the Lord without ever going to the word that He's already given us. And so, um, you know, I I want us to fall in love with His word. And I, I truly believe that, you know, it's like a diet. It's You might not, like, totally not for the keto diet. I'll just personally say that myself. I'm sorry if you do it's the keto issue. diet. That's a personal thing. Very sorry I'm not preaching about that tonight. But they say that whenever you go on the keto diet, you get, like, keto sick for a minute, right? That you just, you feel horrible for a minute. And then all of a sudden then your body is, you know, all up in line, and then it's the way that it's supposed to be. And like most diets, there there's a time when you don't want 
to always go to the to the broccoli. There's not always a time you want to go to the things that you know are good for you. But then after a while, you start to crave it. Your desires change. And that's when you um, you might notice a little change in the mirror and people start to notice a difference. And um, if if we don't have a physical Bible in front of us and we're encountering people and they should be able to see that we love the Lord, that we love his word, that we are a living Bible, living proof of his word in, in and through us. Amen. And so the more that we get to the word, the more that we crave it, the more that we desire it, the more that those things come. And so it, you know, it's just a starting off place and we could talk about the word of God for years on end, but it's just jumping in. Uh, we, we actually, one of our questions, sorry, uh, and I promise this is the end. Um, one of the questions we had was uh, a kid was asking, am, am I like, do I, is there a problem with me because I don't like reading the Bible? And this, this doesn't say not enjoying reading the Bible, you should repent. It says avoiding God's word. As long as we adhere to the diet. As long as we, we adhere to it, you know, we, uh, disciples are somebody who adhere and apply it to their lives, right? That's, that's, that's actually the definition. They're, they, they take it into their countenance. They take it into their daily decisions. Um, that's important. That's, that's, that's how we know. Don't feel bad if you don't like reading the Bible um, because I, I'm not like, it's not just like my, I'm not super excited about it, but as I've grown, there's, I'm getting so much out of it. I'm getting so much out of it, and it's, I'm enjoying it more. I'm the person who didn't enjoy keto at first. Lindsay loved keto at first. She, she never had a problem getting on keto, and I think she's kind of the exception to the, to the rule maybe, <laughs> which is w what I love about you because you're, you're a lot more studious than I am. But, yeah, I th I, uh, this is just so important. I know it's, it's something that our pastors um, are, that it's big on their heart right now. Um, and uh, you, you already kind of touched on it, but on the app, we have a, we have a, a daily reading that we would love and invite you guys to take part in. Um, we, we like to be able to all be a part of it just so we can, we can bounce off of each other. You know, we can, we can ask questions, and um, yeah, it's super important for us. But. <laughs>